You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. For example... Tasmanian devils that are like on the northern part of the island, mm-hmm. and then there's the ones on the southern part of the island, they probably aren't going to be able to find each other and meet up. And what can they teach us? What they're facing right now is is cancer, and it's a spreadable, transmi- transmissible cancer. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. And we're getting ready for Halloween. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's uh, we have what animal is that? We gotta we gotta do that one for uh John to see if he can come in and, and beat that one. That was uh that Yeah, was vocalization. Good. That that's my Halloween animal, whatever okay. that is. <laughs> well it's not the Tasmanian <laughs> devil, right? <laughs> oh no, stay tuned for that. You yes. will be very impressed with the sounds that they can make. Oh, much more they... much more fearsome and screaming and scary than, yes. uh, than that the Ooh, sound. Like the ooh, sound. yeah, sure. it was almost like an owl. But yeah, one of our one of our special animals that we're gonna do for our Halloween special, you know, coming up in a, in, in a few days or in ten, you know, by the time this drops, well, it'll be like a week till Halloween. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have the Tasmanian Devil. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I mentioned this to Angie like months ago. Yes, Chris has been been chomping at the bit to yeah. uh, to, to do this guy, and I just thought it was perfect for Halloween. Yeah. I've learned a lot, and I have a new appreciation for this little bugger. Mm-hmm. And it uh, definitely doesn't necessarily live up. The more that I was researching it, the more I realized the Tasmanian devil, although it's Halloween and we like to do dark, creepy <laughs> stuff, uh, the devil in its name is... Not necessarily true. Obviously, right. the Tasmanian and its name yes. is true, and yes. we'll talk about where it lives. Right. But yeah, the devil part. Uh, if you stick, if you stick with us uh, at the very end, you can decide for yourself whether you think it's a devil or not. Uh, right. It has it has some interesting devilish behaviors, but yes. overall, I think it's kind of gotten a bad rap. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and they. <laughs> Chris, Chris isn't convinced. <laughs> no, well, because they okay. So the reason I wanted to do this one is, is I was at the Auckland Zoo, and so I texted Angie a picture of the Tassie uh, Devil exhibit, and I saw the back of one, and that was it. And I was like, oh, you know, it was uh, it was early, it was still early morning, but they're, you know, as we'll talk about, they're more nocturnal or or more dusk, right? So I was like, oh, we got to do these guys because that was the first time I ever saw one live. And they have an incredible story that is very sad that we're going to get into it. But the reason they're called devils is because the early Europeans, their attitude, Angie. So this this just <laughs> harkens back to episode, I think it's 10, the honey badger. So I don't think these guys care much either. <laughs> <laughs> just their attitude. I will say they they might be the honey badger of uh, Tasmania or Oceanic yes. area. Yeah. Uh, they definitely they're definitely tough. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, some of their some of the maternal behaviors with mm-hmm. the pups and stuff it, it leaves me pretty tender hearted. And mm-hmm. I definitely 
a lot of the vocalizations that makes them seem so scary and tough, which we'll talk about behavior is, mm-hmm. is just some of their natural behavior that they're doing with each other to help communicate. Right. So right. it's not necessarily to be, f- the humans should be fearful of them or no. even other animals. It's more the way they communicate with each other. Oh, so oh. I'm going to tell but you, they are tough. <laughs> yeah. Wait till the end. Cause yeah, they are. I, as a human, I would not want to mess with one because when we talk about how strong their bite force is, Oh my God. Like I was blown away. Yes. Stay tuned for that. We yes. will, we'll, we'll definitely, um, you'll definitely need to put your seatbelts on for that one. Cause this is really yeah. quite impressive. Uh, and, yeah. and when we get more into evolution, we'll talk, we'll discuss a little bit more about their jaws and right, their, uh, right. skeleton and their skulls are just, just crazy, crazy, I mean, yeah, crazy yeah, big yeah. and crazy tough. So, right. And the, I mean, it's the world's largest carnivorous, carnivorous marsupial. And, you know, the thing is, even though we say they're the largest carnivorous marsupial, they're not that big. They're like a small dog, right? Or I said right, small yeah, beagle. Yeah, right? that statistic threw me off for a second. Then I had to separate mm-hmm. out, okay, marsupials a lot of times tend to be herbivores, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is unique in the fact that it's a carnivore. Yes. Um, and not not either an herbivore or an omnivore like a lot of mm-hmm. others. So, yes, it is the largest in the world. But, yeah, it's not it's, it's not, not big. huge. <laughs> It's not a huge kangaroo. No, it's not a huge kangaroo. No, exactly. Yeah. Oh, kangaroos. We'll do that one soon. They, yes, they are, yes. They're, they're a lot bigger than you think, especially the males. But yes, Tasmanian devils are about the size of a small dog and, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, definitely have a, uh, an impactful big attitude, attitude and or bite. Yes, <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. yes, yes. So it's sure. Yeah. They got short little stubby legs. They got a shorter little tail. They're brown to black fur. I mean, mostly dark, dark brown. Um, some of them, I, I, it was cool. Cause when you look at pictures of these and obviously on our show notes, we always have them. They have a white stripe across their chest and then a, a white along the dock of their tail or where their tail comes up to the rear end or just above their rear end. So some of them don't though, which is interesting. Yeah, about sixteen. They, per, yeah, about sixteen percent. I I read don't have the white, the cute little like tuxedo white stripe. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. like white. almost penguin yeah, you know. It's, it's not it's, totally all across their chest. No, but it is it's a little very bit. charming. But yeah, not not all of them have it, but but most of them do. But I mean, I just they're they're just so built, so stocky, and their head is just massive with these jaw muscles. Uh, but when. <laughs> I'll tell you, there was a photographer that I was reading about that her goal was to show the Tasmanian devil in the softer side. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of these beautiful photos you can find online with their mouth, where they're not feeding or fighting yeah. or being their tough Tasmanian devil self. Little selves, yeah. Where their, where their mouth is closed and they're like clinging on to like a, you know, a stump or they're in the grass yeah. or a mom and a baby. Uh, and, they're really quite charmingly cute. They have these round. They, they have these round ears. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. early researchers thought that maybe they were like bear in the bear family because of the rounded almost. Mm-hmm, yeah, of the rounded almost. Ears. Yeah. Obviously, they're yeah, you know, they're not because they're marsupials. But yeah, yeah when their mouth is closed, I just, <laughs> I, was, I, they're just a lot. Of, they're they're really quite charmingly handsome uh, and are pretty. <laughs> they, and they want to look at it. I almost said they almost have like a face like a rodent, but they. Don't I mean it's just a mix. I think a mix Almost of a rodent like a and a bear. bear. Yes. Maybe that yeah. Mm-hmm. A rodent yeah. and a bear. So so it can right. be pretty charming. But yeah, when those canine when their mouth is open and those canines <laughs> show and the big massive jaws, yeah. that's that's where the yeah. devil part comes in, I suppose, right? Right. You don't want to cuddle with these things. No. <laughs> you don't. Oh. <laughs> you don't. No, no, no. So yeah, so they range in Tasmania. Now Tasmania yeah, down in New Zealand, it, we next to the Tasmanian Sea. Tasmania is a, is an island. I know we've talked a little bit about this when we talked about platypus and and uh, even bats down there. So Tasmania is is on the southeast, off the southeast. Well, really the south coast, but on the east side of Australia. Like so, New Zealand, it is. It's a bit chilly there, I'm sure. Just like New Zealand is frigid. Okay. Um, it's actually warming up, so uh, it's coming uh, spring yeah, summer you're there. Like springtime now, right? Yeah, yeah, New Zealand's uh, springtime. So, but Tasmania, this island, and they pretty much range all across the island. There's some areas where they don't. Obviously, humans have had an impact there. European settlers have had an impact there. But they're still located pretty much across most of the island itself. 
And then ha- habitat, it doesn't really matter. The woodlands, pastures, you know, I think I read they went up to 1500 meters, you know, they, they go up high. So there's, there's really nowhere that they don't go. Now there's story. And this is where I think, you know, we're going to kind of get into, to why care about the Tassie devils. If you don't know, these animals have suffered a 80% decline in their population since the 1990s. It has been horrific what has been happening to them. They're well, listed as endangered. Their, yeah. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is their second huge population crash because their first one happened in the early 1800s. When the Europeans came in? When Europeans came yeah. in and hunted them almost mm-hmm. to extinction along with the Tasmanian tiger. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the Tasmanian tiger was wiped out. Right. And the devils gained legal protection in 1941. And mm-hmm. their population started to gradually increase. Increase, mm-hmm. increase. Sorry to interrupt. And so now then. No, 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 no. That's good that's stats. It's I mean, good it facts. It goes to yeah. show just kind of the ebb and the flow of how they were almost wiped right. out. They... Well, and that's a good point, Angie, because I guess I'll jump ahead. And this, this is fine. We always jump ahead sometimes. <laughs> what they're facing right now is, is cancer and it's a spreadable transmit, transmissible cancer. That is incredibly rare. Now, what you just said follows up with not just their evolutionary history, but their population history. These animals, you know, you and I have talked a lot about genetic diversity. They don't have a wide genetic diversity in their population because there's been a big bottleneck. Right. So there you go with the cancer. Why is this cancer spreading so well? Researchers believe it's because they don't have the genetic diversity to combat it. Now, what we're, t- what we're talking about, the, the cancer that they're getting, it's called devil facial tumor disease. And again, like I said, it, it's the, the cancer cells are, are transmitted by bites. These animals, as you find out, we're going to talk a lot about their behavior when Angie gets there. They bite each other, you know, when usually in breeding situations, but sometimes around food. We talk about some of their feeding behavior. They will bite each other. And so that has, that infects them with this cancer and it grows just on the face. So they get all of these tumors on their face and they die within six months to a year. Yeah. Cause they can't eat, can't breathe, that kind of Mm-mm. stuff. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's really horrible. What is even more scary as the researchers have, have gone and studied this, they've now identified a second type of cancer spreading in this population. It's been just in the last two years. So they call it devil facial tumor disease or DFTD. This one is called DFTD2. So now there's another cancer type, different type of cancer cells. Now, normally what would happen is an animal would bite each other or bite another one. And those are foreign cells. And Angie and I have talked a little bit about immunity, but the way your body reacts to foreign cells is your immune system kicks in. You know, if it, if it's a, a bacterium or something like that, and you fight it off and kill it. Well, they can't do that. These, these animals can't do that with these cells. So they're really what the researchers are describing it like is not so much like a cancer, which are your own cells going abnormally. These are foreign cells that are growing. They said it's more like a, a parasite. Okay. And they grow these, these big tumors. So there are a couple areas in Tasmania that are disease-free, the western and northwestern Tasmania. But again, they are trying to study this. And I think a lot of cancer researchers are trying to study this because it's so rare. And in humans, it's extremely rare. So they want to study it in a model species. Mm -hmm. I guess that's a reason to care in case something like this all of a sudden popped up in the human population and we could find out how to, you know, combat that. So it's, it's, it's really sad. It's, it's really why this population has crashed. They're, you know, going into some of the, what Tasmania is doing and a lot of researchers are doing, a lot of animal uh, organizations that Angie will, will talk about. They have taken disease free populations under human care again. And I think this speaks to what zoos can do and are doing for species across the planet. House them. Learn what we can about them, breeding habits, all of that stuff, so we can maintain a healthy population. Because if these animals go extinct in the wild, we need that reserve. We need those animals, and, and we need a healthy population number right. to be able to reintroduce Absolutely. them. So, 
Yeah, it's really, that's why I care. I mean, I, I've known about this for a couple of years, a few years that this was going on with these animals. And I just think it's a story that needs to be told. Absolutely. I mean, you bring up probably one of the most pressing, the most pressing issues that this population is facing because since 1941, they've, the government has stepped up, um, and they've given them protection. And of course, there's going to be some human Tasmanian devil conflict a little bit around livestock, a small bit, but recent studies have shown that they, yes, they're carnivores, but they, they primarily eat carrion and we'll talk about more of that mm-hmm. in nutrition. Mm-hmm. So livestock conflict is not really an issue. Um, mm. but yeah, human, sometimes they, it's, uh, since they eat carrion, roadkill can kind of be an issue. So mm. there's some human stuff going on for sure, but this disease is, yes, definitely devastating and mm-hmm. they're, their population has been isolated for a long time over thousands thousands of years over in Tasmania. And then of course, because it was very much so depleted in the 19 or in the 1800s that their genetics probably aren't as diverse as uh, uh, a similar species on the mainland of Australia. And so with that being said, they're going to be more susceptible to disease. Right. So it's a very, very interesting story. And no, and that's just, and, and just to jump in real quick, I mean, that's why, you know, I, I mean, I come back to the cat ball langers or the vaquita porpoise or some of these other animals that are just almost gone. And it's, it's horrific because as the physiologists that we are, we understand genetic diversity and how important it is to maintain a healthy population. And getting down these critical low numbers, it, it, right. it, it's it just scary takes, it for just a lot takes of species. One, you know, one climatic issue like a hurricane mm-hmm. or a typhoon uh, or mm-hmm. a, a disease like this, and it can wipe out the whole species because it's, they're not mm-hmm. they're they're not uh, they're in this bottleneck and they don't have a large mm-hmm. population range. So, right. but Sala, Sala, that's another oh, one, right? The yeah, Sala, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then they can't find each other to, and for example. Tasmanian devils that are like on the northern part of the island, mm-hmm. and then there's the ones on the southern part of the island. They probably aren't going to be able to find each other and meet up, and it, no. those might be the most genetically diverse, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it throws some kinks into it, and it, and it's not very helpful for their overall cause. But right, right. if but it but if ca- the cancer alone, if that's not an issue to get you to care about the Tasmanian devil, all she had to do is grow up in the you know this. Was it seventies, eighties, and the nineties, yeah. or what? I yeah. care about and turn your TV yeah. on, and there's the Looney Tunes character of uh, Tazzy, the Taz, yeah. Taz, the Tasmanian Devil, yeah. right? And so very, very iconic pop cultural. Uh, he had a tornado spinning around him, which right, is obviously right. not real. They don't spin in circles. When we get <laughs> no, <to death. laughs> they don't even move that fast. No, when we get to, no, no. Yeah, uh, uh, when we get to behavior, but it's still a lot of young. I think it it did give a lot of people that probably never heard about the creature. Um, or the animal, uh, a little bit of, uh, just kind of an interest in it and what it is right. and what it does. And right. I know in North America, not a lot of zoos house them. And so mm-hmm. I think maybe in the future that might change, um, with this disease going on. Maybe North America will acquire more, def- uh, disease free animals to help in- encourage the, uh, the breeding of them. But right now right. I think it's probably only a good handful of zoos in North America have them. And I think it's similar in Australia. Um, but the key, the really the big key from like an ecological importance to humans is that we, they're carrion eaters. And mm-hmm. we discussed this, I think, with, um, definitely the California condor. Right. And a few others. Hyenas. That, hyenas. I mean, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. That this, yeah. uh, as scavengers, the devils help their habitat by eating anything laying around and removing carcasses. Dead. Stinky yeah. and gross <laughs> and talk about spreading diseases. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and they're they're an also an important predator in Tasmanian mm-hmm. ecosystems. Um, after basically the Tasmanian wolf, they're the largest native uh, mammal in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from an economical point of view, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was once thought the Tasmanian devils maybe killed livestock such as sheep, but mm-hmm. basically maybe a little bit of poultry, but. They had like Not a much. nuisance. Yeah. yeah, they had like a nuisance yeah. animal, probably because of their name and their history mm-hmm. status. But basically, farmers are learning like, no, these actually these guys do good stuff. They clean up the stinky, diseased meat that's just yeah, laying around want. in the sun. And so, 
the fact any basically any negative outcomes as them taking down a farm animal once in a great while, their scavenging abilities definitely outweigh um, are more positive than uh, their their livestock killing. And if you're from that area, I'm, I'm, you're definitely familiar with the fact that uh, a Tasmanian Tasmanian devil is the symbol of the National Parks and Wildlife Service. And it used to be a symbol of a football team as well. So it's, yeah, it's greatly, uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, it was a Victorian football league known as the Tasmanian devils. And so it's found, it's found throughout the island's culture as well. And so the locals have a lot of, I think, kind of pride in it as a really cool, unique, animal right. and a lot of people a lot of people as we'll touch on towards the end of the podcast are fighting hard and researchers right. like chris mentioned really fighting hard for this guy so stick around and you'll uh hopefully fall in love with this devil and you'll start calling yeah. it maybe a tasmanian <laughs> angel <laughs> angel yeah i don't know i don't know about that one but uh yeah and tasmanian just for everybody I meant to mention this earlier. Tasmania is a part of Australia. So, and Australia loves their, their native wildlife. They, they really do. And, you know, shout out to all of our Australia listeners because, uh, we have a good following down there. And, you know, we're glad to, you guys have so many unique animals that we're going to be covering the next year or two or three or five or 10, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, um, the one that I learned about during re- researching this is the quoll. The Q- yeah, I'm about there. I'm about, yeah, I'm like, what the heck is that thing? Yeah. It's a cat size, yeah, qual. I was like, oh my God. So, okay, that's perfect. So the species name of the Tassie devil is Sarc- Sarcophilus heresy, and the family is Daisy Uridae. So these are the carnivorous marsupials. And you're right, the cat size quals. I'm like, what the heck's a qual? I've never heard that in my entire life. I so, know, but I fell in love yeah. if you haven't Googled yeah. one. It's yeah. pretty cool. So they're in Australia or Tasmania and New Guinea, but many of these are, are really like mouse size or shrew like is what they, t- they, they talk about. So they're not that big. Many of the, no, yeah. no, they're super charming. Right. Now marsupials, you know, Australasia and then the Americas. We, we have, uh, lovely. you know, back, we have not covered the possum yet. No. Yeah. You got possums and other things in North and South America that carry young in their pouches. So. So they do, they, they are from both continents. Now, the theory, Angie, is marsupials arrived in Australasia nearly 70 million years ago from South America. Yes. But other scientists disagree. They think it went the other oh, way. Really? <laughs> so I wrote, do we agree on anything? <laughs> do scientists yes. agree on any climate change? Well, Most I of mean, us I was going to say, they all yeah. 99.9% on climate yeah. change, but. Yeah. It's kind of, it is a little difficult when you're talking about millions of years ago. Yes, yes, right? yes. You're right. It's, it's tough. And so the earliest well, marsupials. What came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, oh, it's, God. it's tough. It's tough. It's I tough. don't know. I don't know. I still don't know what came first. <laughs> <laughs> so the earliest marsupials are called Dijarthia and it was found in Australia and Queensland. And their, their history is really interesting. About 25 million years ago is when the daisy urids split off from the thylacines. So the Tasmanian wolf, the Tasmanian tiger that went extinct a mm-hmm. hundred years ago, those ones are the, the, the thylacines. And so these ones split off the Tassie devils, their lineage split off from that about 24 million years ago. The closest relative we have to any Tassie devil is about two and a half million years ago. So these have been around for, for a long, long time. Solid amount of time. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. when you talk about, in just a couple hundred years, mankind mm-hmm. wiping these guys out—it's super mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, after they've I taken mean, this, long, this long, this to, long to get there, to get their, and yeah. we'll get more to it when we talk about behavior and nutrition. But just this ecological niche that they fill right. is incredible. Right, right. And they worked hard right. to evolve to fit in that niche and mm-hmm. do their thing and do it well, and. Now yeah, they're almost, just, yeah, they're heading towards yeah. extinction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it'll be my hashtag. Like, don't let the Tasmanian devil like take the same fate as the Tasmanian tiger. Tasmanian tiger. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's, that's a, good a really one. long hashtag. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if it'll catch so on. It probably but... won't work, but yeah. something along, somebody, somebody yeah. clever, some millennial needs to come up yeah. with something like that. Uh, yeah. Save the Tassies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned extinction. They did, they were on the mainland in Australia, but they died out about 3000 years ago. 
This is true, right? The, ding, the dingoes, yeah, the dingoes, they think got him. The dingo you know, got my baby. That's a pretty sad movie. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe we cover dingoes at some point. That would be interesting. The now, what I, I looked at too was the Aborigines didn't really impact them that much, and the, the Aborigines arrived in Australia about fifty thousand years ago. Some say okay. even a hundred thousand years ago they showed up in Australia for the first time, which is crazy, crazy. Right. Now, like we said, the Tassies, uh, Tasmanian devils, you know, about 18,000 years ago during the ice age, sea levels were low. Then as they rose, they became isolated on Tasmania, the population we have t- today. And that happened about 12,000 years ago, the end of the last ice age, as sea levels came up, they got trapped there. And again, the ones on the mainland went extinct, but the ones in Tasmania remained and, the, and that started their small genetic diversity population that was stuck there. Right. Now, with I, this was kind of sad too. They only lived to be about five years in the wild, uh, maybe eight years under human care. Sure. Yeah. They have a, they have a short, tough life. That's for yeah. sure. And, uh, I'll touch a little bit on it in, in, uh, when we get to the reproductive behavior, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, female Tasmanian devils are pretty much just either pregnant or moms. <laughs> the whole time. And then yeah. and then they're done. They don't this uh yeah. this uh great life that my mom's in of being like a nana and the gold uh-huh. years and uh, yeah, they don't really get that. No, <laughs> no. They are, yeah. They're working don't. for their kids and then it's over. So it yeah. is it, and then and then with their with that being said, their life cycle most of the young, and we'll talk more about that once again in, in behavior and breeding, mm-hmm. but most of the young die. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something like over 40% don't make wow. it to one year. Oh, wow. That's kind of like the uh, burrowing owl we just covered. Yeah. 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 So they've got, a tough go- they've got a tough go at it from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they yeah, they do have a little tough little life. Now, the males are about 15% bigger than the females, so a little bit mm-hmm. of uh, dimorphism there. Males can weigh up to 30 pounds, you know, 17 to 30 pounds or up to 14 kilograms. Females can get up to 20 pounds, so okay. a little bit, a little yeah, bit more. Me- small, medium-ish dog. Yeah. Medium yeah, dog it- yeah. And they're, they're only body lengths two feet long and then, or 600 right. centimeters. And the tail's a good chunk of that. Like a yeah, 10 inches. Yeah, 10 inches mm-hmm. of that, uh, or 250 centimeters. You'll probably get to this. The females have four teats. The, the pouch opens in the back, which is different, right? Um, That's very different. That's probably yeah. one of the most, I had to read that. I, I actually still need more of a visual eye. <laughs> well, probably because. I'd need to be one of their zookeepers or something. It's yeah. Well, like, I thought of it like they lay on their back and then they can kind of cup their body or see, you know, like in a, it arch their spine and they can get into their pouch easier. I don't know. Cause it roos, you know, kangaroos are all front opening, right? Even tree roos. Yeah. It's yeah. like maybe a different style of baby wearing that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you try that with, <laughs> with your little one. I tried on the back, but they're too wild on the back. I'm no, like, put them like, upside down. See how well that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you need to be in the front so I can like control you. Uh, yeah. Bless now they have Tasmanian yeah, moms, moms. Now they're, they have sharp, non-retractable claws, about five toes on each, each foot. And they, they can climb trees. So they can go right up there. Yes, they're good climbers and good swimmers, which is was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, great sense of smell, up to a kilometer or 0.6 miles. They can they can smell that nasty meat. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what they're going, right? That's their main, that's like one of their yeah. main dominant senses. And I think the other dominant sense is probably their hearing. Because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they need... Big ears? Big ears. Now, need, now this oh. kind of reminds me of you. I don't know why I thought of this, uh-huh. but when they get mad, their ears turn red. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never really seen you mad. So. No. In the t- in the what the nine years I've known you, I have I don't I don't think I've ever seen you mad. Not one time. I've I'll done very good behavior as to not scare you away. Uh, John has seen yes. me mad. My mother has seen me mad. Uh, uh, my mom always she always uh, it's funny. She jokes that, um, yeah. mad, maybe not mad, but, uh, my sister yeah. seen me frustrated mad for sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, mad is kind of, it's, it's a rare, it's a rarity. It's a rare form, especially in adult life. But yeah. as a kid, when I would get upset, so mad and or sad, I would okay. be hysterically like crying where I couldn't breathe. Yeah. I was like, 
yeah, yeah, and I couldn't talk. And interestingly enough, my youngest has that. He inherited that from me when he gets really upset. He, <laughs> yeah. he gets like, he, like, he can't talk. He's just so like worked up. Uh, right. so yeah, so no, it is, it is a rarity, but I, I do think because I do keep my cool, I'm a cool cat. Yeah. I do think yeah, that yeah. if I am mad, my ears probably do get red. As Due to I'm, red. I'm, I'm like holding it in. I was a waitress for yeah. so long when people yes. would be like, my soup so isn't rude. hot. My soup uh-huh. is not hot. And I'm like, um, lady, I just put that thing in the microwave till it was boiling. Like your soup is hot. Uh, but I wouldn't oh, say that. I'd be like, I'd be like, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your ears are bright red. <laughs> My ears are bright red. Yes, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, but yeah. yeah, so I can see that. And it definitely, yeah, that that's my little Tasmanian devil coming out for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's funny. They, uh, they do store fat in the tail, which I thought was interesting. So some of their body reserves. Yeah. Go and, there. And, and that, and I do the same thing. So I'm yeah. a lot, <laughs> I'm a lot like a Tasmanian Angie, devil. Angie, you're like a, a waif. Oh God. <sighs> The wind blows, Angie falls over. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, right. but no, I but I I like the fat storing in the tail. That's an interesting yeah. concept, and um, yeah. you know, it helps uh, keep them. It's obviously an evolutionary adaption for mm-hmm. when during lean times, right? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, but nothing's yeah. dying. Everything's living. Everything's great. Those yeah. poor little guys suffer. I know. <laughs> I know. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, a group's called a pack. A baby's a joey. I looked everywhere. I cannot find what a male and female devil. I, I think it's male devils and female devils is what they call them. I, I looked. I looked and looked and looked. So I don't know if they have a specific uh, name for that. And like you said, they, they run incredibly okay. 17 miles per hour. <laughs> They're average. <laughs> like, yeah, They're... They don't go that fast. Yeah. We could outrun them. Can't outswim them, but you can outrun no, them. No, we yeah. could outrun them. Um, and that's kind of where it's funny. It's ironic. Of course, they're known from the cartoon as being this fast spinning, crazy, right. spastic animal and yeah. that they are not that at all. Um, yeah, 17 miles Mm-mm. an hour and, and they kind of have like a, they, they lumber probably because they're so top heavy with their, for marsupials. Stubby really, legs, yeah. Mm-hmm, it's really interesting that they have like, yeah, they have this almost like lumbering gait, probably because their mm-hmm. skull and jaw is so heavy mm-hmm. that they're a little mm-hmm. bit top heavy almost. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, speed is not necessarily their friend. <laughs> their no, friend. no, no, no. And they don't need to be because they're they're not the type. No, they, yes, they could be predators, but they're more looking for the carry on that's already dead. So right, they don't, they don't need to be right. And and the humans are really their only threat. And they said really is cars. They get ran over on the road. You know, right. Um, right. That's one of the things. Now, these things are called the Australian hyena because they I eat agree. carry-on. So mm-hmm. we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Nature's clean. They eat the, just like the hyena. They eat the fur, the bones. Yum. They love all of it. They love right, all of which it. Is, which is one of the reasons their jaws need to be so tough. So, I mean, they're, they're, we're talking about a bone-crushing skull. I mean, Yes, that's and they, the eat, they that's love it all. The guts, mm-hmm. the everything. It's oh. uh, <laughs> Now, usually they're solitary, but they will gather, and we'll talk about that in behavior, and gather around a dead animal and, and feed. And that's where some of these bites come in to spread the cancer. Sometimes they will hunt wombats. That's another one we should put on our list. Possums, wallabies. I mean, yes, so many animals. wombats would be cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's so many animals we've got to cover. And sometimes invertebrates, moths, and things like that. So- well, yeah, Chris, and you mentioned uh, wombats. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. they will sometimes, they do sometimes hunt live prey. And their teeth and jaw strength allows them to attack a wombat. Up to 66 pounds in weight. So, wow. Wow. That's, you know, yeah. more, you know, double. Black-footed like, ferret. Go back. Yeah. Black-footed ferret. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and as you mentioned with feeding, there, there's what's known as gorge feeders, which mm-hmm. I think I would probably fall into that category. <laughs> At Thanksgiving. Too. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're coming across towards Thanksgiving. That time of year. And, yeah. And yeah. That yeah. time of year. Um, but they consume large amounts of food at a time. And on average, they can eat about 15% of their body weight each day, wow. which is just yeah. unheard of. And they yeah. can eat up to 40% of their body weight in 30 minutes. Wow. So let's just pretend for a second <laughs> for kicks and giggles no. that, I, that I weighed 100 pounds. That would be like me That's eating 40, 40 pounds? pounds of food no in 30 minutes. Like, There's no way. 
There's no way. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. There's no way. It's crazy. Oh so kudos to them, man. They, they, yeah. there should, yeah, that's like a world record, you know, championship <laughs> of eating. Yeah. Holy, oh, holy cow. Yeah. That is a lot of meat. There's a that, lot of bone and there's a lot of guts. That, that <laughs> is, that is a lot. That is a lot of meat. And, and yeah. I think something, and as we're, as we're transitioning into behavior, I think it's something important to mention as many people that work with them or just if you read in the literature about them as they're known as stinky, um, very mm-hmm. kind of smelly, smelly kind of animals, which is more for the fact that they, uh, not that they eat carrion or anything like that, but they basically have these anal genital scent glands at the base of their tail. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they use it to mark the ground and it, uh, and behind them and uh it's strong and very very pungent scented mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah you don't want if you were thinking for a split second that you wanted one of these for a pet no uh, besides no. the jaw and and stay tuned no. we're, gonna, we're gonna let you know what they could bite through which is more than yeah. just you trust me uh yes. not that they would in general not by nature they're not uh, they're not gonna yeah. be after humans but they're very strong but yeah this anal genital scent gland stuff should be enough to tell you no. no, 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 no. It's like, do you want a honey badger as a pet? <laughs> like yeah. that, what's that meme? Yeah. I gotta put that meme up. Maybe oh I'll put gosh. it up on her. That meme of the the honey badger was the um, what's the comfort animal that people were bringing on airplanes now? <laughs> I, I heard a squirrel yeah. the other day. I mean, it's oh go- god, it's, it's getting goofy. Yeah, it's getting yeah, goofy. it's getting crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah. Talk about behavior, human yeah. behavior. <laughs> That's right, human behavior. behavior. Jeez, yeah, I know. Um, but. As Chris kind of mentioned a little bit earlier is there a lot of literature suggests that uh, Tasmanian devils can be active mostly a lot of at dusk and dawn and they're considered primarily nocturnal. So more so Mm -hmm, at night mm -hmm. and they den down. So they make these dens um, out of like and nests out of bark and grass and leaves, uh, which they'll collect throughout the day sometimes when they are busy during the day. Um, and, and then their dens are going to be in like hollow logs or caves or burrows. Mm-hmm. And they're often seen resting or sunbathing throughout right. the day in quiet areas. <laughs> and I came across a couple of pictures of them quote unquote sunbathing. And it just, it kind of related to me. I'm like, that looks like a good life. Like I can get behind mm-hmm. that. So they're very, very cute. <laughs> eating, eating 40 pounds and then just sunbathing all day. Just sign me yeah, up, yeah. right? Sign me, <laughs> sign me up for that. And so, yeah, I just had, that's why I said I have this newfound love for these ta- Tasmanian devils. I can definitely relate. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is they are curious and energetic. And when they are uh, foraging for food, looking for carrion meat or, and or hunting, they can travel long distances each night, uh, up sometimes up to like 10 miles. So they have not a huge home range, but they can travel mm-hmm. extensively for food. And mm-hmm. overall, they are solitary animals. However, as Chris had mentioned, um, a lot of times they will uh, eat together and they also defecate in communal locations. So okay. I'm like, okay. that'd be a stinky, that'd be a stinky. Yeah. Latrine, if you will. <laughs> I wouldn't want to step in that. Ugh. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, and then they they will come together for breeding as well, and so we'll touch on that uh, when we get to breeding. But I know that, and we are doing this for Halloween because it has the word mm-hmm. devil in it, and uh, right, right, right. And so, in some places, they might seem odd or scary, and the way they communicate can be so, but it. Mm-hmm. In, Ta- in Tasmanian devil language, in their society, the way they communicate with each other, you know, it means more. And so their mm-hmm. vocalizations and physical cues can range from screaming their heads off, which I'll play yes. a clip in a minute, like literally, like bloody murder. <laughs> so just yeah. wait for that. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, but they can also communicate through yawning or raising their tails. So they can open their mouth quite wide. That's, mm-hmm. um, it makes them look like maybe more aggressive because they have teeth mm-hmm. and they can sneeze. Sometimes a sneeze is not because they mm-hmm. have a cold. They can actually, um, it can come before a fight as maybe like a warning sign or a bluff behavior or to help mm-hmm. like lessen a fighting ritual. Uh, mm-hmm. they'll do nose to nose confrontations. Um, of course, when they are that hot and heavy mad, their ears turn bright red. So. <laughs> 
some of my fellow waitresses yeah. and waiters I work with. If I ever meet. see your ears red, I'm running. I'm I was going to say, we would, meet, we would meet in the back kitchen of our restaurant and be like, oh yeah. my God, did you see what that customer oh, just did? Oh, the worst. So yeah, yeah. we were like two oh. little Tasmanian devils just like being so mad, but we couldn't really do anything about it. So they'll do some of these bluffing behaviors like that. Um, but then, of course, they do have um, some fighting yeah. stuff. And when they are right, fighting, right. they will growl, they'll screech. Um, there just seems to be a lot of a lot of noises. And so here, let me, if you stay tuned, I will play for you one of the reasons that they probably got their um, their their name for themselves. So yeah, yeah. Now you know why they're called Tasmanian devils. Because, yes, yes. Oh my goodness, that was crazy. Yeah, Happy Halloween. Like if I heard that at my next yeah. door neighbor's house or something, I would call nine one one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 why they got their name. You hear that in the forest, you're like, oh my god, what is out there? That would freak me out. That was but yeah, great. I mean, that's some of that. Some of that's just their for feeding behavior, the way they communicate with each other. Some of it's for dominance purposes, right? Um, there's researchers mm-hmm. out there that, that do think that there is a, a social hierarchy or a way for them to communicate with each other who is the top Tasman- Tasmanian devil. So mm-hmm. it does seem odd to us, but it it's just, or it's not as maybe pleasant as to obviously birds singing and different things that we've talked about mm-hmm. in other podcasts, but it is very important to a lot of their their society and to who they are. And right. it doesn't just because it's not pretty doesn't mean it's bad. Right. <laughs> no, it's not bad. It's just how they are. And yeah, <laughs> I could see that. And so some of those sounds are going to occur uh, during breeding season. And in Tasmania, breeding season is typically going to be in March because where males mm-hmm. are competing for females and fighting with each other and being very dominant over solidifying who their female is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a short window for breeding of a couple weeks in March because interestingly enough, Tasmanian devil females are monoestrous. Okay. Or monoestrous, I guess is the best way to do yeah, it. Monoestrous. Yeah. yeah. One cycle. Yeah. yeah. So they only have one cycle. And so a year. Um, mm-hmm. And so these mm-hmm. males have to, make sure that they breed the female and multiple times catch her. to catch her yeah. and to make sure she can ovulate and, uh, and become pregnant. And yeah. after a breeding session that probably sounds a lot like those clips. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, those God. clips that I played you. Um, now that's just him fighting the other males for the female. Once he, score, <laughs> once he scores, once the female's receptive, I'm sure it's very, very much, uh, a, a very, oh, I'm sure a, a love fest. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, so then once, once she, once she has been receptive to a male and breeding has taken place, she is going to be pregnant or gestate for 21 days for so three weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not very long. Not very long at all. And this is very common with marsupials that when the babies are born, they're like, uh, Chris has mentioned, they're called joeys, similar to kangaroos, but they're also can be called pump pups or imps. I M P S. Imps. Okay. Yeah. I like, well, for devils. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. That's we haven't really yeah, come yeah. across that one. So I'm going to stick, yeah, I'll stick no, with, a new one. I'll stick with imps for imps. the podcast. I like it. Uh, I like it. Yeah. But when she gives birth to them, the, the babies are super under, underdeveloped and they're mm-hmm. pink and hairless. You can't really tell their face. Like that they have a face and I just think of them as the way I used to describe them. Cause I worked with, I worked with kangaroos um, at the zoo years ago. And when I was giving a tour, I would always just describe it to the little kids as like a jelly bean. And yeah. so in, in a kangaroo world, it is, it, it the baby's born like the size of a jello, jelly bean. Uh, but for a Tasmanian devil, it's much smaller. Um, uh, some of the literature said a size of a raisin. Some said a rice, a mm. size of the a grain of rice. Grain of rice. That's tiny. Yeah, I think that yeah. might be a little too tiny. But regardless, they're small and they're undeveloped and not a lot going on. But what's super crazy, Chris? Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay, lay it on me. A mom Tasmanian devil, bless her heart. 
She hmm. gives birth to about 20 to 40 or up to 50 of these little. You're kidding me. I didn't see that. Yes. Holy shit. Of these little like rice raisins. Je- I don't know. Ra- yeah. ra- raisin 50? rice underdeveloped Holy. jelly bean things. Yeah. And then yeah. what happens, Chris, is these imps, these little pups, oh, no. joeys, <laughs> they must yeah. race from the yeah. vaginal area where they're born about a total of three inches right. from the birth canal to the right. rear-facing pouch. And they use their underdeveloped jelly bean claws mm-hmm. where they compete to attach to one of the four mammary Four, yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. So what ends up happening is it's just talk about spooky, scary movies. <laughs> four out of 50 make it. Four out of 50. Yeah. So oh, only the man, four yeah. that actually attach to the, to the, to the teat or the nipple or the mammary gland, mm-hmm. whatever you, however you want to call it, will have a chance to grow and survive. Right. And then only 40% of those survive or 40% of them die off. Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct. So, okay. Okay. So they stay like that for about, Geez, I think it's like about three months. Just inside mm-hmm, the pouch, mm-hmm. hold, holding out of the teat, just taking in their mother's milk and growing and growing and developing. And basically, it's almost like finishing the next trimester or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is in, in, um, in Tasmanian devil land. And so they finish mm-hmm. developing and they just, they hang out in the pouch. And when they finally emerge from the pouch, it's super cute. This is why I fell in love with them. One mm-hmm. of the many reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They ride on their mother's back like a young koala. Okay. Yeah. And they'll just stay there okay. while she hunts, while she does whatever she does. Talk about baby wearing. You said this in pangolins. I remember pangolins. You said yeah, that they, was amazing. Pangolins thing. ride yeah, on yeah. the tails. Yep. So pangolins ride right, on the tails. Right. And uh, Tasmanian devil pups or imps or joeys will ride yeah. uh, on the back. Back of mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while she's doing her thing, that's probably how they learn some of the, you know, what to eat and how to find it. And they're not usually weaned until they're about five or six months old. And then they become independent around, like, in Tasmania, be, like, around the month of December. Right, right. And, and, mm-hmm. and so typically a female isn't going to become mature enough to have a, a litter of 50 or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> with only yeah, four surviving, uh, until she's about two years old. Right. And I, you know, one of the things that's impacting them, which was really interesting and, and, you know, even as a reproductive physiologist, what would cause this? But because the population's so low, they noticed females that are one are starting to mate after oh, one interesting. year. Interesting. I didn't read that yeah. really. Yeah. And it's having a huge impact on overall health because, I mean, we know as, as physiologists, you know, having babies at a young age for a female is not good, you know, across species because you're sure. not fully mature yet. You're still growing and that can stunt your growth. So, you know, these Tazzies that are, that are in the wild, you know, one-year-olds are breeding now. And I don't know if there's some female competition with the males or what, that they would have to wait till two. And now that there's not that there, but yeah, scientists have noticed that. And so that's having an impact overall in their health population, which is sad. Yeah. So then, like we said, conservation endangered population numbers or what? Well, it was assessed back in 2008, so 10 years ago, and some change. And it was put on the red list of endangered species then with about 10,000 to 15,000 species, uh, Tasmanian devils left in the wild. Uh, that was in 2008. So since yeah, then, I 10 think years this ago, yeah. disease of cancer, the facial cancer has probably plummeted those numbers more, but I don't know what the current estimate Pop, you know, right. obviously the population is declining and they're already right. in danger. Yep. Yep. So I don't know what the current numbers are. It's not good news. When you're endangered, it's, that's a bad, threatened is not good, but endangered and then critically endangered are two horrible categories to be in. Right. For right. animals. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, but I think it's, and when we talk about good news and hope that since 1941, Tasmania, the, mm-hmm. the government there has been protecting mm-hmm. them. And so they've been fighting for these guys for a long, long time. And they're not, they're not letting, they're not letting up the reins, no, which is no. awesome. Right. And so, right. and, and with that being said too, I think a lot of the local farmers that used to think of them as a nuisance are now on board mm-hmm. saying, Hey, these guys are great. They're, they're eating up. Helpful. They're helpful. Yeah. They're eating up the carrion that used to, you know, carry disease and be stinky and gross. So the farmers are on board and 
With that being said, there's also a lot of programs that are currently being undertaken by the government of Tasmania to reduce the impact, of course, of this disease. And mm-hmm. they're trying to build up, and this includes the initiative to build up a group of healthy devils in captivity, like Chris was mentioning, to help isolate them from the disease at whatever cost. So right. it is good that there are a lot of individuals that are, you know, that are fighting for them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you said, well, what, well, let's, I mean, let's go, let's do an organization. Who, who's, who's fighting for them? Well, uh, just to mention too briefly over here, I have to give a shout out in North America to the San Diego Zoo. It's obviously yeah, your old stopping grounds, right? Uh, yes. They're one of the few zoos in the United States that houses Tasmanian devils and they're, uh, just a big supporter of their, uh, of their health issues and their conservation issues happening over in Tasmania. And they support all these programs that collaborate with research institutions and zoos to help save them. And they work with a, work with a group that recently established um, a disease-free Tasmanian population devil on Maria Island. So they okay. put them on an island and then they have, they sponsor postdoctoral students. Not me. Should be me. Come yeah. on, San Diego. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> but they, yeah. just kidding. You got two babies. They can't send you to Tasmania. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but, Darn it. Well, you put one on your In back, one on the life, front. Right? You can yeah, do it. as a grandma, yeah, yeah. they can maybe send me there. Yeah. But yeah, so they send researchers out there to help monitor their, monitor their behavior and collect data in this new home and to help basically keep this healthy population thriving and mm-hmm. growing, right? And mm-hmm. the number one program that the San Diego Zoo supports in Tasmania, which I really want to highlight today, is called Save the Tasmanian Devil Program. And they can be found on Facebook at Save the Tasmanian Devil Program. They can also be found, uh, they have a beautiful website, uh, which is found at www.tazzy, T-A-S-S-I-E, devil, D-E-V-I-L, dot com, dot A-U, for Australia, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and this awesome group has the mission of saving the Tasmanian devil in wild Tasmania. And they want to, basically their objectives are to maintain genetic diversity of Tasmanian devil populations and maintain the wild enough to help manage the ecological impacts of basically these genetic bottlenecks and its natural Mm -hmm. range. Mm -hmm. And probably most importantly, this group, the Save the Tasmanian Devil Program, is working really hard to fight off and understand and study the impacts of the devil facial tumor disease, the cancer that Chris mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So they're diving on, you know, diving deep into that, trying to figure that out. And they have a ton of very impactful programs that they work with, include as including roadkill roadkill mitigation, trying to help reduce that with signage and education and things like that. Um, captive management, captive breeding programs of disease-free animals, including this one. And then the program on Maria Island, where they're trying to get a sustainable population of disease-free animals there in the wild. They have monitoring programs. And then, of course, and lastly, they have wild devil recovery programs, which look at release techniques when, with devils that are born under human care and then released into the wild. Okay. So okay. they're just doing... I'm so, so many wonderful yeah. things for the Tasmanian devils and it's a great group of people. Their website is brilliant. Uh, like them on Facebook. If you don't do anything, yes. you're going to see some really cool photos of Tasmanian devils and learn a lot more about their ecology and their biology. And I think if you're not a fan of Tasmanian devils, you will be if you like these guys on Facebook or check out their website because they're, they're doing really good things to help to help fight for the species. Yeah. Again, so many people, every species we cover, and that's why I really like the groups that we cover just shows that there are people well, out there gives, fighting it gives for you, it. gives you hope, yeah. you know, yeah. cause you, 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 you sometimes feel so like, man, what can I do yeah. besides donate money yeah. or share information? But, and if you don't do any of these things that Chris and I are talking about, just tell your friend mm-hmm. a cool, fun fact about a Tasmanian yeah. devil. Yeah. Yeah, if you, did you know? Share yeah. our podcast. Please yeah, share the podcast. Because... That's that's what we want you to do. So, 
Angie, you know, I was thinking Tazzy Devils and, you know, it's kind of hard thinking of something that applies to them for conservation tip of the week. So what I came up with was green camping. So, you know, eat carry on. Yeah. That's it. Eat roadkill. <laughs> God, no, don't do that. You'll die. No, green camping, Angie, not <laughs> go out and eat roadkill. Did you say glamping? Cause I'm a big fan of glamping. Glamping. No, camping. Going out when your boys get a little bit older, you go out, get a tent, build a little fire, be safe, all those things. But when you go in the outdoors, here's some, here's some tips to, to really promote a healthy, stable environment. Bring reusable items. Don't bring plastic or paper or napkins or something like that. Bring things you can wash when you get home, stuff like that. This one, it makes me so sad because I grew up in Northern California, you know, with my dad camping all the time in the summers. Biodegradable soap to clean dishes. I would go down the river and just soap up all of our pots and pans, and I feel horrible about it now. I would never do that now. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. So when you're bringing, you know, dishes and reuse your, your stuff, bring biodegradable soap so you're not putting any toxic stuff in, in the rivers or streams non-toxic sunscreen and bug spray because it's not good for the environment and it's not good for you this was interesting solar powered lanterns and chargers i was like wow those are coming on the market now i love it yeah so not buying batteries in yeah. bulk things like that because you know i remember God, i remember those big flashlights with like the huge battery that are now in a landfill somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. like the double, the D batteries. Not the yeah. D's. I'm yeah. talking the D big, big ones. Yeah. Don't bring plastic water bottles. Bring a huge water cooler with and bring refillable water bottles. Um, and leave no trace camping. So I'm going to give a shout out to my friend William back there in your own stomping grounds and and Henry. They are very good ah, campers. Hi, William. Yeah, William's awesome. He is a green camper because he picks up the poop. I saw him do it. Um, he, so here's what, what happens when you got to go to the restroom. If there's no toilets nearby or outhouses is you don't necessarily have to pick up your poop. Uh, William did bless him, but you know, when I was in the army, I just dig a hole, you know, so you can dig a hole, make sure it's six inches in the ground, but you should put your toilet paper in a bag and throw it in a trash can. Okay, so there you go. So wipe sure. wipe your booty and put it in a bag and zip it and throw it out later or leave it on your neighbor who you don't like from porch. William is going to be so happy that this is the shout out that you gave him on our podcast. I got to tell him too. Hey, he's William. Like, we're like 50 episodes in. He's like, you finally mentioned me and I'm pooping in the woods. It's not him. Thanks, Chris. It was Henry. I saw him do it with his little, his son, so... Uh, but I saw, I thought oh, it's it was impressive. Yeah, no, we, I was we like, call it in our family. No, no. Yeah. In our family, we call it cowboy pooping, yeah. we have cowboy peeing. Yeah. But when you're in the woods, it does, it accelerates. And now we have cowboy. Pooping. Yes. Yes. I saw it wasn't his. It was, I saw him carrying the bag back after Henry had to use the potty. And for so. the record, I have traveled and been to many latrines in Africa. <laughs> I have, I've, I will say on the air, I have done a lot of cowgirl pooping in my life. <laughs> <laughs> in many states and in many countries. Well, I was in the army for a lot, a lot of years, so we, we just had to make do. <laughs> now, what you said. Okay, Bite Force, Angie, hit us with it. What is it? Oh, my goodness. Okay, Bite Force, yes, to answer our question from the beginning of the podcast. So thank you for those that have stuck around with us or are stuck in traffic yeah. or are <laughs> have a lot of dishes to do and yeah. are still doing them. I yeah. feel sorry for you. But, yes, the Tasmanian Devil has one of the strongest bites in the animal world. It's going to be about 84 kilograms per square inch centimeter, mm. and that's about 1,200 pounds per square inch. It's insane. Whatever it's that insane. number means, it means that it can bite through a metal trap. Yes. they A metal trap. And I'll, I'm going to send Chris this picture of its skeleton mm -hmm, on... Mm -hmm. Where it's, you know, it's average skeleton just kind of looks like a little bit like a bulldog, but then you see its skull mm -hmm. and you can see just the massive amount of bone that goes into the mandible area, mm -hmm. which is the, uh, the cheek area right. and the jaw. And then, uh, and yeah, and then, uh, I mean, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah. And they, let alone it's, let alone it's like canine. So, right. and it's interesting though, that it has. The teeth and the jaws of the Tasmanian devil actually resemble those of the hyena. Right, right. And researchers think this is an example of convergent evolution. Mm -hmm. So species that aren't related on the on the linear tree mm -hmm. 
evolved these similar features due to to filling an ecological niche, right? Right. Like a hyena, as we discussed, check out that episode. It's amazing. It's one of our best performing podcasts of all time. (laughs) It's very good. Don't fear the hyena. It's amazing. Uh, and so anyways, yeah. And that one, we talk a lot about it's, it's, uh, it's bite force. Yeah, it's, a it's, it's a thousand. It's a stronger. It's a hyena is only a thousand psi. Snapping turtle is about a thousand psi. Humans one sixty psi. Lions six fifty psi. This little thing twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. So yeah, don't Whoa! pet one. Do okay. not pet a tazzy devil. <laughs> Whatever you do, you will lose a finger quick. Man, yeah. I did not know it was more than a hyena. Yeah. Uh, Cause I was, the numbers I were quoting didn't really mean much to me, but when you actually compare them to other animals, right, right. Uh, yeah. some of the top, top biters in the world. Wow. They're up there. They well, are thank up you, there. Chris, yeah. for a- adding to my facts. I appreciate yeah. that. And, <laughs> and everyone, I hope you had as much fun yes. as we did in this pre Halloween episode yeah. talking about the Tasmanian devil. They are not devils. They might not be Tasmanian angels. No, not quite. <laughs> they stink, but they're cute. But they cute. yes, but save them. Don't let them hashtag. Don't let them. Don't let the Tasmanian devil follow the face of the Tasmanian <laughs> and tiger. That's not the horrible point. hashtag. That's not the point of a hashtag. <laughs> I know. I, well, I'm I'm not a millennial. Let's be okay, real here. Okay. So I don't know how to hashtag. Uh, okay. Okay. All um, right. Uh, mom shouldn't. Mom shouldn't be hashtag. <laughs> no. Right? No. But hey, next week we've got a. Sp- Spooky creature for Halloween um, as we continue on with this uh, October episode. So thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.